Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverens. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, March 2nd. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks for making us a part of your morning on this Thursday of the first week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. A special shout out to our new listeners tuning in on Relevant Radio, 1030 a.m. in Metro Detroit, which also includes four FM stations there. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the Relevant Radio family. I spent uh, nearly a decade working in Detroit uh, TV during my sports reporting days, so uh, it is so good to be with you. Uh, Michigan uh, will always be my second home. Uh, On Thursdays, I always take a moment to uh, remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try to visit the Blessed Sacrament sometime today. If you can, if you have a moment, it only takes a brief moment to stop in and say hello to the Lord. If you you can't, uh, try to do it uh, in the upcoming day sometime this week. Uh, And it's a great practice, especially here in Lent. Of course, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And you can always send us an email with your thoughts uh, directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. Want to bring in our Morning Air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines here on this Thursday morning? Well, if you're listening on the International Space Station, you're probably happy to know there are more astronauts coming your way, uh, those on the ISS. Not an overreported story, but it had been technically sort of stranded there with the Soyuz capsule. That was kind of their escape uh, vehicle, if needed, uh, not in shape to do that, but uh, NASA... And SpaceX announced a fresh crew of astronauts on a mission to the ISS, uh, kicking off about a month-long stay in space. We've got two NASA astronauts, a Russian cosmonaut, and an astronaut from the United Arab Emirates on board. It's the uh, Crew Dragon capsule, kind of the latest version of uh, what could do some further space exploration that uh, got uh, got underway. And they're supposed to dock uh, early, early tomorrow morning, about uh, 12, 17 a.m. Central Time. Always a big moment for the people uh, by the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral to to see uh, a rocket uh, launch. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, as as largely flat as Florida is, you can uh, see that uh, if the weather's right all over the place. And we're watching a a shuttle launch from across the state in in Fort Myers looking to the northeast. And you can see that uh, happened right at sunset as the moon was rising. It was just beautiful. And so uh, it's a great treat for those who get to see that. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland um, was uh, grilled on anti-Catholic and pro-abortion bias uh, during a Senate uh, hearing uh, yesterday. Um, What do we know? How did it go? Well, it uh, was kind of contentious. Josh Hawley asking some pointed questions and not taking a a non-answer as an answer, uh, one of the interesting points that came up was Garland said he didn't know specifically how many FBI sources are embedded in Catholic churches, which seems kind of kind of odd. But uh, you know, maybe maybe we've got agents everywhere. We just uh, don't know. Uh, he also was grilled over uh, the amount of force used to uh, to you know to make an arrest, basically, of that uh, that pro life sidewalk counselor that uh, 
got into a, a small altercation, and the SWAT team arrived at his house in front of his kids and, and all of that. And uh, Senator Hall, he kind of tried to hold his feet to the fire. Um, any idea if anything's going to come of this? Because obviously, uh, you know, we have seen uh, so many attacks uh, on uh, Catholic churches, on uh, pregnancy um, centers uh, just in the last couple of years. And, and so, you know, something has to be done. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know, you know, with the current setup of the government, uh, maybe not a lot of hope in the government doing something. Meanwhile, on a uh, much uh, lighter and happier note, uh, today is uh, Dr. Seuss Day in America. What is uh, this day all about, guys? We will be celebrating the day that Dr. Seuss was born. He was born today many, many years ago. And as we all know, Dr. Seuss, not his actual literal birth name, but his name that he's very widely known across the United States. And for children, for uh, generations, for decades, have been reading the books and learning to read, which is one of the big things with his thing was teaching kids how to read. So lots of big books, titles that people will will know and love. And we, of course, the, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas is a, is a Christmas classic. Uh, we have uh, the 10 apples up on top, a big fan favorite in my house, uh, green eggs and ham, and, of course, the cat in the hat, the, the cat that started it all, as it were. Who can Absolutely. forget the cat in the hat? <laughs> oh, I remember having one of those well-worn books, and uh, anytime it's just raining cats and dogs outside, basically, you know, we, we sat in the house all that cold, cold, wet day. It was, you know, too wet to play, and... Uh, it all comes to mind like and even the when my daughters were really young my my mom would refer to her granddaughters as thing one and thing two somewhat in, in a loving way <laughs> well you know sometimes they do act like thing one and thing two i have thing three yep. and thing four and they're all can be a little challenging at times i remember when joseph was was really little uh, we used to read dr seuss in spanish uh, um it would be uh, huevos verdes y jamón green eggs and ham and uh uh, those were precious moments. Never forget it. Yeah, the great thing about that green eggs and ham, that was actually uh, written because of a challenge that was given to Dr. Seuss saying, hey, I bet you can't write a book in less than 50 words. And he said, I will do it. And he did. And it's a book that's so great because um, it's about a stubborn eater not wanting to try new things. So it's always great for those kids. They never want to try something new. Try it. Try it. You will like it. And they do, you know, and you <laughs> eat it on a train, on a plane, <laughs> in the rain. There's so many different ways to eat nowadays, and that's exactly what happened in that book. Well, making reading fun, making reading fun so important. Happy uh, Dr. Seuss Day uh, to all, and uh, to all a good day. All right, thanks so much, um, Glenn and Sarah. Yeah, sure thing, John. We always start every morning here on Morning Air uh, in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, uh, always keeping in mind that every day uh, is a gift, every day is a blessing. And we always pray through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, even though we are already here in the first week of Lent, if you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, for whatever reason, it's still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. And the good news is that it is absolutely free. That's relevantradio.com Lent. A number of you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, you may have heard that Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid Pharmacies uh, have announced that their stores will sell the abortion pill, Mifepistone, uh, known as RU486, uh, following a recent decision by the FDA. And pro-life activists have been holding protests all across the nation in response. Uh, and uh, what can pro-lifers do uh, during uh, this season of Lent to promote the culture of life? Joining us live uh, from the Chicago area is Morning Air regular contributor Eric Scheidler uh, for much more on the abortion pill protests and a pro-life Lenten prayer challenge, the way of the cross for victims of abortion. Eric Scheidler is the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League based in Chicago. Uh, he speaks frequently on pro-life activism, religious liberty, marriage, and the family to audiences all across our country. Good morning, Eric. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It's great to be with you here uh, during uh, this first week of Lent. Great to be with you too, John. Um, Eric, can you bring us up to speed uh, what's going on uh, with uh, uh, these pharmacies, uh, Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid, and, and some of the protests uh, that have been uh, held uh, outside uh, their stores? In fact, uh, you and the Pro-Life Action League were recently involved uh, in, a, in a protest at uh, Walgreens uh, corporate headquarters uh, just down the road uh, here from our studios in Deerfield, Illinois, on Valentine's Day. Uh, can you fill us in? Well, you know, the Biden administration decided right around Christmas time, uh, with sort of uh, cruel irony, to change the rules regarding this mifepristone, which is a chemical that causes a woman's body to stop making the progesterone that provides, you know, the foundation of life for an unborn child in the womb, and it kills the child, uh, to allow pharmacies, uh, regular pharmacies, to dispense this, and then immediately Walgreens and CVS, and shortly thereafter Rite Aid said, yes, we're going to provide these abortion drugs at our stores. So we began to, to protest, reaching out to those companies, urging them to change that position. We held a series of protests last month uh, at local Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aids all over the country. Uh, there were uh, you know, over 100 protests. And then on Valentine's Day, we went to the Walgreens corporate headquarters, which is really very close to the relevant radio studios, it turns out. And we, uh, we had a rally there, a bunch of speakers. And then at the end of it, we went to deliver a giant Valentine's Day card to um, the, the Walgreens corporate headquarters because it was Valentine's Day. And our message was, don't break our hearts. Don't break our hearts, Walgreens, by killing some more children. Um, and we, we brought that Valentine's Day card up and the, the security cards would not allow us to enter the building and, and, and hand that off to anybody. They wouldn't take it from us. So we had to mail it to them to Roz Brewer, the CEO, uh, hoping to touch her heart through that gesture. It was sort of a giant card, and everyone who had been at the protest signed it. So it was filled with signatures of people begging Walgreens to, to change that policy. They're refusing to do that, and so we're going to be back out on the streets on, on this Saturday, March 4th, all over again, all over the country, uh, working together with Students for Life. The Pro-Life Action League is organizing protests 
Uh, we're going to be protesting. There's a corner in Aurora, Illinois, where there's a, a Walgreens on one corner and a CVS uh, just down the block on the other corner. So we're going to do a two-for-one protest in Aurora on Saturday, sending the message that we don't want our local pharmacies to become abortion facilities. Um, but it seems like these companies are unrelenting. They 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 want to profit. These are very expensive medicines that um, will will pour money into their coffers. And so we're really urging people beyond just the protests, which we must do, to take their business elsewhere and to let Walgreens know. It's really two parts of this. First, um, you know, stop going to your regular Walgreens, CVS, whichever store it is that you you typically go to, and find a local pharmacy. Let Walgreens know why you're leaving and let that local pharmacy, uh, the independent pharmacy, know why you're coming there and, and make sure they're not offering these horrible death-dealing medicines either. I know that's a tough ask. You know, people are, are pretty loyal shoppers. I mean, I've been a loyal Walgreens shopper. I keep a list on my phone of shopping, right? I have hardware, groceries, and it used to say Walgreens because I don't know where I'm going to get hardware. Could be Ace, could be an independent store, could be Home Depot. I don't know what grocery store, but I'm always going to Walgreens when I need contact lens solution prescriptions. I'm not going to Walgreens anymore, and that's really tough. I went without <laughs> without my proper uh, contact lens solution for a couple weeks as I was trying to find another place to get it. Uh, I, I know I the feeling, did. Eric. I know the feeling. I, I too, have been a, a loyal uh, Walgreens customer for, for decades. And so, you know, it's an inconvenience. We need to start looking elsewhere. Uh, but I think we, we need to send a message uh, to uh, the management, the ownership of, of these uh, of these pharmacies, uh, because uh, this is not okay. I'm kind of, you know, just wondering, uh, how can they not respond uh, when you consider how dangerous uh, these abortion pills are, and that is that's a fact. Uh, that's uh, that's a reality. That uh, how can they not look at that? Well, just a short time ago, right, right as this announcement came out, we learned about a 19-year-old woman in Canada who was killed. She died of septic shock directly from taking this mifepristone because it can cause tremendous hemorrhaging. The experience of an, a medication abortion is truly horrific. Uh, women have said it's like it's like having menstrual cramps from hell. They get nauseous. They get diarrhea. Sometimes it lasts for days. Sometimes they pass that tiny little embryo or, or very early fetus into the sanitary pad or the toilet, and they can see it. There's an a image uh, you can see it live action of a tiny, tiny little embryo um, that, uh, <laughs> that was killed with a medication abortion. It's a profoundly traumatic experience and sometimes leads to death. And we don't even know how safe or unsafe it is because abortion clinics instruct women taking this medicine, so-called medicine, to go to the emergency room and say they're having a miscarriage if something goes wrong. So the records are fouled. We don't know uh, how many women are suffering from this. Why, why won't they respond? Because they are terrified of the other side. And imagine if Walgreens were to say, we're not going to offer this drug anymore. I mean, we've seen what they've done to our churches, our pregnancy centers. They'd be throwing bricks through the windows at Walgreens. And they know it, so they're they're frightened. Uh, you know, we hope that we'll be able to convince them through these protests not to apply for the licenses, and so that babies won't be being killed at Walgreens uh, and CVS and Rite Aid. But uh, you know, they've lost the business of, of an awful lot of pro-life Christians, and I really urge everybody to let them know that you're not going to shop there anymore. And I know it's hard, but we have to make hard choices. And Lent is the perfect time to begin a practice like that to take on the the penance 
of of, of uh, shopping in a different way and, and disordering, you know, reordering your life a little bit for the sake of these the tiny, innocent, unborn children that are going to be destroyed by these medicines dispensed at these pharmacies that until now we were low customers of. Um, Eric, um, what is being done uh, on the legal front uh, to try to uh, stop uh, this movement of selling abortion pills? I understand there's a federal judge mm-hmm. um, down in Texas that could actually put a stop uh, to half of the abortions in America, which would save uh, many, many babies uh, from abortion. There is a case down in Texas uh, that is uh, working its way uh, through the courts, uh, the federal courts, to, to, to try to overturn the original FDA ruling from the early 2000s that allowed this, um, you know, this mixture, mifepristone, this chemical to be dispensed in this way. Uh, the, they're arguing that the safety studies were improperly done, that there was, you know, that the drug should not have been approved the way that it was. And if that case is successful, it would stop medicine, medication abortion, which are more than half of the abortions. Now, I don't want to give the impression that that would cut abortion in half because, you know, if, if a woman's seeking an abortion, she has the option for surgical abortion. And we would expect to see an uptick happen there. But it would be life-saving because there are so many abortion facilities that are only medication. And uh, we would expect to see uh, abortion be much less available uh, in some parts of the country, if that change were to come, that's that's still some time away. Uh, we're hearing a lot of uh, you know rumblings from the pro-abortion side about this. They're they're pretty worried about it, um, but we'll have to see. You know, these court cases take a long time. There's always challenges. We don't want to count on that. We have to do everything we can today uh, in terms of putting pressure on on Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, in terms of moving our business, uh, and then not just to put pressure on the companies, but so that we're not cooperating in any way with that. You know, we don't want to be part of that. I don't want to walk into an abortion facility to buy my, you know, my distilled water to keep my guitar hydrated or, or my, you know, vitamin D to stay healthy during the winter. We need to, uh, to go somewhere else with our, with our pro-life dollars. Um, Eric, um, what uh, can we as uh, pro-lifers uh, do during this uh, Lenten season to promote uh, the culture of life? I know at the Pro-Life Action League, you guys have a, a number of ideas uh, uh, that uh, you are sharing with, with, uh, with pro-lifers. Well, every year we conduct what we call the Lenten uh, Prayer Challenge. And typically we will pray for sort of uh, our enemies, which Jesus told us to do. You know, One year we prayed for three different abortionists who had been in prison for their various crimes. For example, this year it's a little different. We're asking people, because of the attacks on us, the attacks on the pro-life movement uh, since the Dobbs decision came down last year, we're asking for, for, for three different intentions, to pray for the sidewalk counselors, the people who are out there offering compassionate care outside of abortion facilities, one last uh, outreach to the mom before she goes to those doors and chooses abortion. For the street activists, those who are going out to protest at Walgreens and CVS or are going out into the public square to pass out flyers, in fact, we have a new flyer on medication abortion that's coming out in just a few weeks. Um, so for people who are out in the public square, the street activists, and finally for the pregnancy care workers, those who are in the, the business of trying to help these women uh, to, make, to make that decision towards life, to show them an ultrasound of their baby, get them childbirth at, at classes and, and you know, prepare them to become parents or to place their child for adoption. You know, these are the frontline workers of the pro-life movement, the sidewalk counselors, the street activists, the pregnancy care providers, and we're asking pro-lifers to pray for them every day to fast from one meal each week uh, for those intentions at this you know, critical time when we're under such attack. 
Uh, we're also hosting an event on Good Friday all across the country called The Way of the Cross for Victims of Abortion. We're just beginning to recruit leaders for that. So if you're interested in taking part in this event, we go out to the abortion facilities. We have a special uh, prayer service that we bring um, out to uh, on Good Friday outside of the abortion facilities to connect you know, the passion of our Lord, the suffering of the innocent Christ with the, you know, the suffering under abortion of these innocent unborn brothers and sisters of ours. We pray for the abortion clinic staff. We pray for our, our, our politicians, for the media. It's a host of prayers directed towards every aspect of the abortion issue. It's a, it's a beloved event. It's, to me, uh, it's sort of the beginning of that beautiful um, you know, weekend of, 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 uh, that culminates in Easter, and it's become a, a really be- beloved part of the season for people. So I encourage folks to get involved with the Way of the Cross for Victims of Abortion. I know if, if you don't have one in your area, we can uh, we can help you to get one up and running. We're just at the beginning of recruiting for that. It's an important event coming up on Good Friday. And um, Eric, uh, finally, in the, in, in the final moments that we have, uh, just real briefly, uh, uh, you and uh, other pro-life leaders have published a, a joint statement uh, in relation to building a post-Roe future. Uh, can you tell us uh, quickly what that's about? Well, what we're seeing is, you know, in states where abortion has been banned, that doesn't mean that the pressure to get an abortion from, you know, economic pressure, social pressure, you know, a husband or boyfriend pushing a woman to get abortion is still there. And we don't want to see her crossing state lines to get an abortion, you know, coming over from Wisconsin or, or from Missouri to get an abortion in Illinois, for example. So we, we are encouraging the pro-life movement to embrace policies like, you know, better health care, parental leave, and, you know, expanding the, the uh, child tax credit. The child tax credit has lifted uh, you know, millions of children out of poverty along with the earned income tax credit. There are ways that, are, that, you know, and I know people are reluctant to spend government money, but sometimes we have to in order to provide a better life. We know that at least half of all abortions are desperately unwanted, and if only for another rent check or you know, knowing that they had good prenatal care. And we're seeing uh, Republican governors pushing for this. Governor Mike Dunleavy in Alaska and Governor Tate Reeves in Mississippi have both recently announced they want to expand Medicaid coverage for new moms for a full year. This is going to help families. It's going to help women say yes to having babies. And if you want to see more about that, the kinds of things we're calling for beyond just limiting or banning abortion. We need to do more. You can go to postrofuture.com. Hundreds have signed on. Pro-life leaders like Abby Johnson, Lila Rose, Kristen Hawkins, Laura Muzica, uh, Brian Kemper have signed that statement saying we want to see policies that will encourage family formation, that will push back against the economic and social pressures that cause unwanted abortions to happen in the hundreds of thousands across our country every year. So we're, we're really branching out in a new way in the pro-life movement um, and, and calling on our society to do everything it can to, um, to, to help women and, and, and men choose life for their unborn children. Once again, uh, the uh, website is uh, postrowfuture.com. Eric, uh, as always, so much appreciate uh, you being with us here uh, on Morning Air, as you always uh, continue to promote the culture of life. Uh, thanks again. Thanks, John, and God bless you and and your listeners. Hope everyone has a very blessed pro-life Lent.
Thanks so much. Eric Scheidler, the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League and a regular contributor to Morning Air. We need to take a short break. When we come back, international pro-life speaker Rebecca Kiesling, who was conceived in rape, will share her powerful testimony about losing two sons to fentanyl poisoning after she testified before Congress earlier this week. Stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. More of Morning Air after this. This is Morning Air. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. It's a beautiful day. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in and being with us on this Thursday here in the first week of Lent. I'm so glad you could join us on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Jeremiah 29:13. You shall seek me and shall find me when you shall seek me with all your heart. In this first week of Lent, this verse is a reminder that the Lord wants us to seek him with all of our heart. The Lord wants our heart to be transformed and become more like his heart, the sacred heart of Jesus. During these 40 days of Lent, uh, open your heart to search fervently for Jesus the Lord, to search him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. We always pray with great confidence that prayer from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. A number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888 now, um, we uh, spoke uh, with Eric Scheidler uh, of the Pro-Life Action League uh, uh, about the, the abortion pill uh, last uh, half hour. Uh, I'd like to continue talking about the issue of life, but from a different perspective. On Tuesday, Rebecca Kiesling, a mother who lost her two children to fentanyl poisoning, spoke to lawmakers in an emotionally charged testimony at a House hearing on the ongoing crisis at the southern border, telling members of Congress that that they need to do more to combat the opioid epidemic. And here's part of Rebecca's emotionally charged testimony to Congress. Chairman Green, Ranking Member Thompson, and distinguished members of the committee, I'm Rebecca Kiesling. I'm a mother. I, um, I'm the mother to Caleb and Kyler, as well as three teenage daughters. Um, our family's been through a lot I lost my two sons. Um, Caleb was age 20 and Kyler was age 18 on July 29th of 2020. Um, the year my son Caleb was born, there were roughly 20,000 drug-related deaths in the United States. And the year that they died, 2020, there were over 100,000. For 2021, almost 110,000. Um, the CDC I saw yesterday says that fentanyl deaths rose 22% from 2020 to 2021. I mean, it's unbelievable. You would think that one death from fentanyl coming across our southern border would be enough to sound the alarm. And my kid's story was high profile because three young people died. There was another child from our hometown who died the same day. It wasn't in the news. You don't hear about it because it was just one death. If we had Chinese troops 
lining up along our southern border with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year, and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. I uh, got very uh, emotional just watching Rebecca's testimony. Um, how can anybody not uh, uh, feel uh, what, what she's feeling and what she uh, shared with, with our nation and the world? Joining us live this morning is uh, Rebecca Kiesling, uh, the mother of Caleb and Kyler, who both died in 2020 of fentanyl poisoning. Rebecca Kiesling is an attorney, an international pro-life speaker. She was conceived in rape and is the founder of Save the One. Uh, good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about this very difficult and emotional issue. My heart uh, goes out to you, first of all, my sister. I hardly slept again. This has been a really tough, tough thing to do. Rebecca, we are with you. Um, there's many people praying for you, and I know the Lord has given you the strength to be able to have the courage to testify uh, before Congress and, and to share your story with so many people. I know you were on Tucker Carlson's show last night on Fox, and uh, it's very difficult, to, but... Um, we wanted to give you a, a platform here uh, on Relevant Radio uh, to to, uh, to tell your story and also to, to share uh, what it was like uh, just a couple of days ago uh, to testify before Congress, uh, be, before uh, all of these politicians who um, I'm sure just don't understand just how serious this issue is. And, uh, and I know that just from what we heard, uh, you tried your best to, to paint a picture of this crisis, this humanitarian crisis, uh, this war, as you call it, that's going on in our southern border. Well, you know, I was given the opportunity, asked to testify, so I did. Um, but right before my testimony, the um, chair had five minutes to present, and then the um, Democrat, you know, they call him House-ranking member, spoke, and he had five minutes. And I was so upset to hear his rhetoric because he was talking about, um, you know, oh, this is being politicized that the, you know, Republicans are just trying to use this issue. And that um, he started talking about how under Trump that children were being separated from their parents. And, you know, right away I'm thinking we're being permanently separated from our children and um and he started saying that this is you know xenophobia that this is all about race like no it's not fentanyl doesn't care what your race is 
And I just started getting so overwhelmed to see what the blockade is. Like, this is why nothing is really being done. You know, we see the biggest drug busts ever, yet they're only getting, the estimates are 10% of what's coming across our border. And yet many of these confiscations are enough to kill our entire nation many times over. What uh, did you see in the eyes of uh, these members of Congress uh, as uh, they were hearing your your testimony? Did you did you feel like you may have penetrated their hearts? Do you, you think they get it that you know uh, over a hundred thousand, one hundred eight thousand uh, people died uh, from uh, overdose uh, just in twenty twenty one alone uh, from fentanyl? Well. You know, not even half of them were there when I testified. They go in and out because, you know, they have other meetings that they scheduled during it, or they might actually have another committee hearing. And so some of these, like, you know, especially the Democrats would stop in, they'd give their five-minute statement, and then they'd walk out and leave. So they didn't hear any of us. Um, And they would all just have questions for the Cato Institute. Like, none of the Democrats, like, asked me a question. Not one of them. Um, they only asked the guy from the Cato Institute. And then there were some Democrats who actually said, well, I'm hearing a lot of fear mongering. Seriously? 110,000 dead in 2021. And you're going to say that we're just here fear mongering? I mean, it was so disrespectful. How could you say that? People have a reason to be afraid. You know, people are telling me that, like, yeah, I have kids or I have teenage kids. Like, I'm scared for them because the number one drug of choice for kids today is pills and and nothing's safe. They're putting in everything, even marijuana that kids are getting illegally, even in states where it's legal. These kids are getting it illegally and they're putting fentanyl in marijuana. It's in everything. You should be afraid. We all have to be afraid. You want to just accuse me of fear mongering? And then since then, I've had on social media, you know, just attacks from so many Democrats saying that um, my my boys, you know, they weren't separated from me. They killed themselves because you're such a horrible mom. They're saying what kind of a mom raises her kids to do drugs that I thought I think fentanyls that, that it's, I think I think it's okay to do Percocets like no I did I did everything I could to try to shut this down and I didn't know what all they were doing but I gave them more warnings than most parents do because their birth mother was a drug addict and did heroin when she was pregnant with Kyler and I I gave them every warning like and my parents my boys said like you raised us right you know they wanted to be free from this and there's all these people who are mocking my pain and it was bad enough to have all these people going on my website and emailing me and messaging me on social media and tagging me everywhere mocking me but now to see that the president the president is laughing that my boys didn't die under his watch. <gasps> Rebecca, I feel your pain, um, and I know uh, so many of our listeners uh, 
that are with us here this morning feel your pain. Um, we want to take a, a, a short break. We want to also invite our listeners, um, if you have any thoughts on the severity of this fentanyl crisis that's going on in our, our nation, if you know anyone uh, who has unfortunately passed away uh, from this crisis, uh, we're, we're taking your calls uh, for uh, international pro-life speaker Rebecca Kiesling, um, who as we've been speaking, uh, lost uh, two sons to fentanyl poisoning. Our number, 888 We're going to take a short break and, and continue our uh, conversation with Rebecca. Stay with us. Uh, there's more to come on the other side. Welcome back to Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us. As uh, we continue our conversation on the very difficult issue of uh, fentanyl poisoning, that's the poisoning that's pouring in into our country every single day uh, here in these most recent uh, years, as we're uh, talking this morning with international pro-life speaker, uh, and conceived and raped the founder of Save the One, Rebecca Kiesling, who lost two sons from fentanyl poisoning. Uh, Rebecca, welcome back. Thank you. I just want you to know that uh, we, we got a, a number of phone calls uh, here uh, just a moment ago from folks uh, who are with you, who support you, who are praying for you um, and, and, the, and the difficult time that you're going through reliving uh, this experience and, and really uh, being a, a spokesperson in, in many ways. You, you, for the longest, have been a, a, a champion uh, for those um, who were conceived in rape uh, like you were. And, and now uh, the Lord has put it on your heart, of course, uh, to, to be a, a witness and, and to give a, a testimony like you did this past week uh, before Congress. You know, for our listeners here, here in the morning, um, I know you've, you've shared your testimony in the past uh, with my, my colleague Drew Mariani in the afternoon, but here for, for Morning Air, can you briefly uh, share exactly uh, what happened uh, with uh, the story of uh, Caleb and, and, and Kyler? Yeah. Um, they got fake Percocets. And there, were no, there was no Percocet in these pills. It was all fentanyl. My son, Kyler, had five times the amount in his system that was enough to kill. And he died along with 17-year-old Sophia Harris. Um, the drug dealer happened to stick around and have some with them. And um, Lorenzo Brabo, Brabo, and he is serving 8 to 15 years for killing three people. He was revived by Narcan. And because he apparently as a regular, you know, drug user, he had built an immunity. They said, you know, the same amount doesn't kill people the same um, people who have sort of built a, you know, a, somewhat of a resistance, like, you know, are more likely to be revived. And he actually overdosed, though, and was saved with Narcan a month earlier. And his girlfriend had overdosed on drugs he gave her uh, a couple of months earlier. So this, this drug dealer knew that he was getting stuff that um, 
had fentanyl in it. When And when I first started learning about this stuff, like I had no knowledge of fentanyl. And so I heard like, oh, he got bad stuff. Well, now I'm hearing you know, all these drug busts this past year, they said a bunch of them, three out of five pills have a lethal dose. Now I heard testimony yesterday that the number's gone up 77% of pills that are being found have a lethal dose. So there's like not a matter of getting bad ones. It's a matter of like, you know, if you luck out and you don't get a deadly dose, there's no question that they're trying to kill off our children. They're creating rainbow fentanyl now that looks like candies. They're, they hide them in candy boxes like Skittles and Nerds and Whoppers. And they are now combining fentanyl with a horse tranquilizer so that you can't be saved with Narcan and so that it can't be detected with fentanyl strips. So there's no question they're trying to kill off our population. For the last two and a half years, people have asked me, like, why, why would drug dealers do that? Like, why do they want to kill off their customers? Like, because this is a war, they're trying, they're not trying to just create customers. They're trying to destroy our population to kill off all of our children. Rebecca, um, the pain that you have gone through is, is inconceivable for, for the average person. Uh, how has your faith and, and trust in the Lord given you the strength to be able to deal with this and to, to be able to, to uh, speak on behalf of uh, uh, so many parents and so many children uh, that have uh, perished uh, from fentanyl poisoning? Well, you hear me, and everybody saw me. I am not strong. This is like out of my brokenness. <laughs> that I'm sharing uh, because it's the right thing to do. If you saw how I function every day, you wouldn't say I'm strong. I mean, there's so much more I could be doing. You know, I just responded to a request, but like, it, it's hard. I don't want to remember my children for how they died. I want to remember my sons for how they lived. And, um, you know, we, we have to look after mind, body, and spirit. And I absolutely have the spiritual foundation where I know where they are. And I've had all kinds of dreams from God. I had a bunch of friends, like, within two weeks, people I didn't even know from around the world. Um, about uh, right around two weeks after they passed away, and they were um, – couple days apart, I just heard from a flood of people saying that they were praying and they were praying the rosary and that they, um, strangers praying for my children and saying that they felt that they had confirmation that number one, my boys are in heaven and that number two, that they're together. So, you know, I 100% I knew their faith. They both repented, you know, just before they died. I mean, they wrote things out. Like, they really, really wanted to be free. But fentanyl, if you get any fake pills, it, they all have at least a little bit of fentanyl in it. And it's highly addicted. It's like, you know, you, it's hard to overcome that. I mean, even if you think you're getting marijuana, you're getting on the streets, it's got fentanyl in it. And it's highly, highly addictive. 
but they wanted to be free and they shared their faith. And Caleb said, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror. Like he absolutely believed that he, that he would overcome this. Um, but you have to look after mind, body, and spirit. And I will tell you two months out, I was deteriorating. Um, three months out, I was like at the point where I probably would have had to have been hospitalized. I had panic attacks and stress tremors, and I had to start looking after my mind and body as well. And I started exercising and eating healthy. And, you know, I had to decide, like, what kind of life do I want to live? I have three daughters, three teen daughters who need me. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Um, The scripture that comes to mind, uh, for when I am weak, then I am strong, as St. Paul reminds us. And... um, I'm with you. Uh, I'm praying with you, and uh, and so many of our listeners are are with you as well. You know, here less than a minute to go. Just a final word uh, to the parents out there of of why this issue is is so important. I mean, this is a matter of life and death. You know, it's the same spirit. Um, you know, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came that we might have life and have it to the full. And it's it's the same spirit of death as abortion. Um, you know, it's the, the destroyer. There's people who said, like, oh, you know, um, God took my son. Like, they, they talk about losing their kids. I'm like, God's not, he's not a killer. He didn't take my sons. He received them. But there is an enemy who's out to kill our children, and he's at work through fentanyl. And um, educate yourselves. You know, have Narcan. Narcan, you know, saves lives, although with this horse tranquilizer, it's, you know, more of an issue now. But, um, you know, talk to your kids. Contact your, your members of Congress, senators, your state reps. Um, this is a war. People need to know it. It's, it's all coming from China. And just please, please share and speak out and educate yourself. Rebecca, we're with you. Uh, we're praying for you. Thank you for uh, the courage of sharing your story and your testimony before Congress uh, and, and for being with us here this morning on Morning Air. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rebecca Kiesling, the founder of Save the One and the Mother of Caleb and Kyler, who both died of fentanyl poisoning in 2020. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Reaching the Peak by David Sargent. Daniel Mazur, an American guide from Olympia, Washington, was on his way to scaling Mount Everest for the second time when he abandoned his attempt. Mazur, his two clients, and a Sherpa guide were only two hours from the 29,035-foot peak on the morning of May 6, 2006, when they met 50-year-old Lincoln Hall. Hall had been left alone by his team a day earlier when his own guides believed he was dead. When Mazur and his team encountered him, Hall's first words were, I imagine you're surprised to see me here. Mazur later reported, I was shocked to see a guy without gloves, hat, oxygen bottles, or a sleeping bag at sunrise at 23,200 feet just sitting there. Mazur and his team spent four hours maneuvering Hall down the slopes, giving him bottled oxygen, food, and liquids. While they were assisting Hall, two climbers from another country walked past heading toward the summit. When they asked to help, they claimed they did not understand English. 
Mazur later learned that they were not being truthful. Eventually, some Sherpas showed up to help get Hall back to the base camp. Mazur and his companions were too exhausted to try and continue their trek to the top of Mount Everest. The team agreed there was no choice. After looking at the summit one more time, they completed their descent. But Mazur had no regrets. Oh yeah, it was worth it, he said. You can always go back to the summit, but you only have one life to live. Mazur considered the life of a fellow climber to be more important than his own personal pursuits. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Really appreciate it. A quick reminder, you can download every episode of Glenn's Story Corner on our Relevant Radio app or at relevantradio.com. Coming up in the next hour here on Morning Air, we're going to be joined by Father David Guffey, the Family Theater Productions National Director and the Executive Producer of Catholic Central, uh, to discuss can't Catholicism be actually funny? Plus, our Spiritual Director, Father James Kabicki, will tell us about St. Catherine Drexel and share his thoughts on the Eucharistic revival on Lent and almsgiving. So stay with us. There is much more to come in the final hour of morning air here on this Thursday morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.